You're listening to Mission Lab. Mission Lab. From our living new man, Ben Here's our parents, Sean and Camille Brace. everybody. Welcome to Mission Lab. This is Sean Brace. You're listening to episode 10 of Mission Lab. I, I am thrilled today to have one of my very good friends. And what he doesn't realize at this moment is that this episode is being released the day after his birthday. Oh, whoa. I am already excited. Yeah, you're already excited. So I love cosmic alignment. Cosmic alignment. <laughs> so that voice you've just heard is my very, very good friend, Jim Mello. So Jim, thank you for being here on the show with us. Camille's not here. She is with the kids at the playground. Uh, but Jim, thanks for being here. And tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? Oh my God, that's the ongoing existential question, is it not? What currently um, what I am doing is um, I'm, an, I'm a licensed alcohol and drug counselor. I'm also a certified clinical supervisor in Maine. So I work in the addiction field and have for the last, uh, uh, God, 15, 20 years. But I'm also uh, itinerant pastor, I guess, <laughs> uh, wandering through the wilderness. Something of a post-denominational uh, character. Have fellowship with several denominational people, and recently reconnected with you, which is connected to my den- denominational roots for 20 years or more, really. And it's been an interesting journey, interesting circle. But it's good to be back. Yeah. So you say you're post-denominational at this point, but you're you're. Theologically connected back to uh, some denominational roots, but I'm yeah. I just floating around because uh, I think it's 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 related to the theme that you're really touching on. Church doesn't always work for me. I don't. I when I, what I bring to the table doesn't always get uh, utilized. So it's I'm on the other side of the coin. You're trying to create mm-hmm. a space where that happens, and I'm floating in and out of spaces looking for the right fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. About a year and a half ago or so, Jim and I, we happened to see yeah. each other in Olive Garden, and I, I kind of knew you, Jim, a little bit, yeah. but not real well. We were acquaintances, That's right. That's and right. I didn't realize you lived here in Bangor, so you took I took your number, and uh, I didn't <laughs> call you. <laughs> for a year. And then, That's that good wasn't a year. Work, it was not a year. It was probably like two or three months. It may have felt like a year. But then we saw each other a few months later in yeah. Bagel Central, and yeah. I said, okay, God's up to something here. So you and I have been hanging out for about a year, yeah, year and a half Yeah, and we've been now. having some really good fellowship yeah. and almost meeting weekly, storming ideas, brainstorming, trying to uh, create that uh, ideal church, yeah, that revived right. church. Yeah, and, and you've been participating in our missional community. Yeah, I around. have been. Uh, that was, it became a you know, theme of what we're looking at today is safe spaces. It became a safe space for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, by you reaching out, cultivating the personal relationship, it felt safe to go into that mm-hmm. space. And it's really been, a, uh, I think, uh, certainly been a blessing to me and uh, hopefully a little bit of cross-pollination That's right. going on. That's there. right, absolutely. Just, just to be completely open, Jim has been such an influential uh, friend of mine and helping me professionally, personally. And it's been such a huge blessing. That's the cool thing about discipleship and, and journeying uh, kind of incarnationally is that it's not just us who are being the blessers, we're being right. blessed. And right. that's really well, awesome. Cross-pollination has been a great, Yeah, you know, you've been uh, challenging me to rethink some ways of doing church. And, you know, I've been trying to introduce some 
recovery principles to yeah, you. I'm yeah. also a person in long-term yeah, recovery. Yeah, yeah. So you, I, I, it sounds like, you know, in our conversations, you, you've kind of been at this place where I'm trying to go for a little while, and you're thinking to some extent. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Creating well, you safe know, communities. I used to be a pastor, and uh, we were trying some uh, small church group work uh, probably 15 years ago, seemed to be making some headway, ran into resistance. Mm-hmm. Then I ran into some personal stress that pulled me out of uh, the loop for a while. And in the meantime, I've you know been working in, in the recovery field and the addictions field. And part of my work there is trying to integrate spirituality in its broadest strokes into people's recovery, um, leaving the door open for later search of uh, more religious theological grounding. Mm, so, mm. but I, yeah, and I, you know, got a master's degree in theology in 2013. My uh, my thesis project was integrating uh, recovery into church. Mm, settings. Yeah. Mm, okay, I've been so, trying it for a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so you have recognized, and I would agree that that churches aren't automatically safe communities or, or, or places for people and why do you think that is and how well know? I think it's for one thing I think uh, we're not intentional about it mm. for another we're reluctant sometimes to embrace what we can learn from venues outside the church like recovery communities or even you know some psychological insights we tend to get a little cautious about that and then for me the big three you know when when we just shared the you know sheet with you about toxic faith is and when spiritual thinking gets twisted uh it gets twisted in a way that becomes unsafe for people okay. uh, you know judgmental lack of being able to tune in emotionally to where people really are at having a an, a theological agenda instead of an interpersonal agenda mm-hmm. and i think those mm. things get in the way yeah there's nothing wrong with theology oh my god i love theology yeah. i eat it for breakfast <laughs> but it's yeah. a relationship so. yeah and and <laughs> maybe in a future podcast we can talk about the relation between theology and community in some ways. Sure, yeah, I would like to. Because that's an important sure. conversation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there, We don't want to be in either ditch, like only doctrine, theology, or only, uh, you know, love and fellowship. Yeah, we, that's it. Is, and it's, it's a tension, and it's hard to find the balance, but I think that's the space we mm, both certainly yeah, see ourselves yeah, in. Yeah. Uh, so how, how do we create safe communities, safe so again, going back to where we are right now, as I look at it, you know, I've, I've been on the planet for, you mentioned my birthday, coming 67 years this month. I've been in, in church all my life to some degree, except for in the early 70s, after the 60s, I kind of wandered away for a little while. Uh, it was a rather sort of challenging times. Um, and, and just coming back to, to um, seeing the arc of, of how we do church. I think the culture has shifted so much that we've gotten out of touch with this sh- culture. Mm. And I think in the culture have been elements that have developed uh, strong interpersonal relationships devoid of theology, de- mm-hmm. devoid of being in a church setting. And that has thrown things off. And so instead of being the head, we're the tail, some, I guess, to use a biblical mm. metaphor. I feel we need to, we can be the head, but we have to kind of be able to be open to learn some of these principles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, one thing I was mentioning recently is that it seems as though emotional intelligence is, is, is uh, maybe a more pressing need at times than biblical intelligence. I certainly feel that way for a couple of reasons. One, I'm a Myers-Briggs INF with a capital FP. 
Uh, I, and I'm a right brain person, so I'm a mess. I'm always, I'm always in that space. But, but some of the training I've got in my work, there's a real emphasis on trauma-informed care in, in, mm. in the addiction field, or well, in, in the human services field. And I was exposed to these seven sanctuary commitments and I, you know, by, from a, from a um, set, uh, person, I'll come back to me. But one of them is emotional intelligence, that, that if we're not tuned into where we are emotionally, um, we can't have a, the fullest relationships mm, that we want mm-hmm. to have. And I find in the church there's a lot of fear of emotions because we're afraid of emotionalism uh, spiritually and religiously and theologically, but we've gone into the other ditch too often where we, we're not even tuned into what we're really feeling ourselves. Yeah, it's kind of a very uh, intellectual... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, why do we do that, Jim? Because it feels safer. It feels safer. But ironically it disconnects us and makes us disintegrated mm-hmm. because we, you know we all feel pain we've all you know i've shared i think with you when i one time i preached a sermon on genesis 3 because all all of the symptoms that we now label as post-traumatic stress or trauma informed us all those symptoms are in genesis 3 at the fall mm. so it's remarkable to me mm-hmm. um and so th- there was something that was broken there there's something that's still broken and I think we have to intentionally go back and learn what we've learned from these other sources. They're all in Scripture. That's the, mm-hmm. you know, we, we didn't discover them for some reason, but they're all there. Hmm. So it's going back and, and, and not being afraid of pain. And again, shifting to the addiction piece, a lot of addiction is about avoidance of pain. Hmm. Hmm. And mood wow. alteration, which we love to do. Yeah, yeah. So, so then, just on a like a very, if you were if you were sitting down and you had a missional community or a church or a group, as long as it wasn't attractional, as long as it wasn't attractional. <laughs> thank you, Jim. You're catching on. He's catching on, folks. We are old dog, new trick. We're we're reaching a state of of bliss here. Uh, yeah. So, if you were you were starting a small group or a community, how would you? What are some of the things you would do? Get well, practical I would, here. I would start, you know, when any group starts, it, it's, it, it's, you know, there's the stages of group life, storming, gnoming, forming, performing. But there's the early stages of defining the core values of a group, the, the principles of, of how you're going to form the group, the building of a group culture. And that's where, for me, these seven sanctuary commitments would what be. What are those seven yeah, sanctuary commitments? I'd be glad commitments. to read yeah. them. Uh, they're, they're just labeled nonviolence, and any kind of violence, including verbal violence, is not acceptable. Emotional intelligence, people learning both to, feel, to understand their own feelings and to be tuned into the feelings of others. Mm-hmm. Social learning, that, that we learn things in group process that we can't learn alone. And that learning in groups can be very profound. Democracy, that everybody's got an opinion. Uh, open communication, again, that's, that's a skill that we could learn better in a church. We, we don't listen well. We don't listen mm. emotionally uh, to a large extent. Social responsibility, that, that what we are doing has a greater impact on not only the group culture, but on the larger culture and vice versa. And that we need, you want to create an environment where people can grow and change. That uh, you know, when none of us are ever finished. Mm. You know that that theologically is a, for me about sanctification, which I you know heard the phrase years ago: the sanctification is the work of a lifetime. Mm-hmm. We're never fully done this side of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. So, what if someone's listening and they're like, "Wow, this stuff sounds crazy. This sounds kind of like 
way off and on until on the left sure, you know? right on the left <laughs> well no, right. no, like, no no right well it's like it's like uh you know all we need is just give me the bible Jim. Right, like right, right like what's all this stuff about like social responsibility you're trying to make us into social activists you know type thing <laughs> right right power so, to the people yeah so how, how do we i mean where's that balance that's a good thing? question and um i i think um I'm not sure where it is, and that's part of this, trying to discover how to de-demonize these principles for people who fear, fear them and help them to understand they are biblical. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that, I guess by the fruit you shall know them. When they are put in practice, what happens is missional Mm. You know, mm. and we've talked a lot about you know doing inner work and then doing outer work of mission, doing inner work. And I, and mm. I don't think you can uh, not pay attention to either side of that coin without creating imbalance. Mm-hmm. So mm. it's a good question. We'll have to. I'll have to think a little more off the top uh, of my I head. Caught him, yeah. I caught him off guard. We should have <laughs> planned this out better, huh, Jim? Well, that would be unlike me too. <laughs> this is a guy who I I have to ask him like a day before if he's available. He only plans two or three days out. Yeah. Really? yeah. Uh, but uh, so we want to maintain that tension, and it's a good tension to have, right? Like Absolutely. Yeah. We we yeah. want to make sure that we're we're understanding that there is a tension and a balance between. You know, biblical faithfulness and well, like or which terms I've been you know con- being contemplative and then being active, you know, and mm-hmm. and and uh, again finding that balance. Many Christians are afraid to get in touch with what's going on inside of them, mm. uh, and then a lot of Christians are afraid to go outside and and, and take the risk of interacting with others. So again, mm-hmm. both of those both of those are necessary. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so if somebody wants, would want to learn more about this sort of group dynamic, you know, how would they lead, you know, what would be something you might recommend? Boy, that's a good question. Is there a book or is there? Well, I got some, my initial, uh, a lot of this comes from my integrating stuff over the years, being Mm -hmm. eclectic. But (laughs) as far as the train, these, these seven sanctuary commitments, they're, uh, um, Sandra Bloom's uh, sanctuary model of trauma-informed care mm. would be a great site to go to. Mm. Okay. Um, you won't you, you won't get a lot of the spiritual theological emphasis, but it's there. Mm-hmm. But you will get these principles, and I, and I think the principles speak, speak for themselves. Maybe it's time to write a book together. Hey, there you go. <laughs> our next project, our next yeah, pursuit. Um, some of these things, what we're talking about here, and this is a word that you love, I know, is koinonia, koinonia. That's uh, some of you who may be a little more informed biblically and theologically, linguistically. That is the Greek word that's used in the book of Acts for the early church having all things in common and, and sharing a common experience and mission and life, really. Right. And I know that's a big... Oh my God, yeah, it's become one of my favorite mm. words and one of the goals of life. Yeah, so... Th- so describe it a little more. Well, how yeah, that it's, it's usually translated in English in fellowship, and mm-hmm. and we we you know know the word in that in that context. But if you even read, I, I think it's in one of John's letters where it talks about we have fellowship, and it, and it's it's interesting because in that text it talks about fellowship horizontally and mm-hmm. and fellowship vertically, and mm-hmm. to me that really is is it. You can't. Eliminate the human horizontal dimension and not do damage to 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 the to true koinonia. Mm-hmm. If you you know, I think a lot of Christians we we just we you know it's all about I hate to say this guardedly you know it's all about the relationship to God which it is, 
But if the incarnation is the heart of the matter, then that speaks to our humanity in a way that nothing else really does, mm. that our fully developing our humanity is part of the koinonia vertical and mm. horizontal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's the place where we get a little spooked. <laughs> yes. Because we've all been hurt. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can't, you know, you can't go through this planet without some kind of hurt. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, First John there talks about, uh, John says, you know, that which we have touched, what we have felt, yeah, we have yeah. seen it in our own eyes, so that you might have koinonia with us and with the Father. And listen yeah. to how, how, how concrete and, and, and mm -hmm. kinetic those, those are, seen mm -hmm. and touching. That's not mystical stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, I get accused of being a mystic. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not. You know, this is very embodied stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's very embodied stuff. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So that's, I believe, you know, Camille, I've kind of touched on this before, but what God is really wanting to do is, is bring a body together, a community yeah. that is living out the gospel and fellowship and true, you know, koinonia with one another. And that is really the most powerful Absolutely. You picture know, of... Well, you know, you know, you and I had an experience where even last week where I was going through some hard stuff. And when you came alongside me as a human, listened to my suffering and pain and prayed together... I mean, that's, that's what got me through it. Mm. You know, and again, being a recovering person, I, I knew ways in the past to numb that stuff out. Mm. But I'm choosing not to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. So, it, yeah, that's where the power is. And I think that's what the world needs for mm -hmm. sure. I mean, it's a hurting world. And if people need, don't find at least safety in the church, I don't know what else. You know, we can give yeah. them all the theology in the world, but they'll stay away because they're not safe. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. So as we wind down here, uh, and I, I'm going to put you on the spot here, um, but, you know, you've kind of touched on it a little bit. We like to end our shows with one practical tip. So if I know, you know, sometimes you and I may struggle with practical stuff. It's like a foreign <laughs> but, word. <laughs> but maybe, maybe it's a book you would recommend yeah, or, yeah. or just some practical thing. Well, you know, if, if I were to, yeah, a practical thing, I would, one is to take some quiet time, truly quiet time, maybe journal some stuff that comes mm. up and, 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 and borrowing from the 12-step position of finding one other person to share that with mm. uh, in terms of exploring is the Serenity New Testament um, by, published by Nelson, the first 80 pages in that. Which what, are, what is it again? Uh, the Serenity New Testament. Okay. First 80 pages, uh, it's like we don't have to reinvent the world. Those people already took the 12 steps and a lot of basic Christian theology and really pulled together these principles. Um, and so I think those are two things I would recommend. Mm. So journaling in this book by, yeah, yeah. again, by... Nelson, it's uh, Serenity New Testament published yeah. by Nelson. I don't know if there's any okay. author attributed to it. Okay, okay, very cool. You know, I, just a little testimony, because for my, uh, most of my life, I didn't necessarily recognize any insecurities that I had. And I hear some some pastor friends of mine who are mutual friends and colleagues of ours that they would talk about everyone being damaged and broken and insecure. And I would think to myself, well, what are these guys talking about? <laughs> and they would talk about 12 step programs. And I thought that stuff is like, you know, for quacks and for people right. who, and, you know, I apologize for putting it in these terms here for those listening. That's what I used to think. Mm -hmm. And then I, I came into some difficult moments in my own ministry and I was like, okay, I'm highly insecure. <laughs> And uh, so I started exploring, you know, this type of field, if you will. 
And it's just been tremendously helpful for me because, and, and you and I have touched upon this. We have a, a, another friend. Uh, I'll give a shout out to my good friend, Jennifer Jill Schwerzer. Yeah, hi, Jennifer. Um, I don't know if she's listening or not, but if you are, Jennifer, hello. Uh, but you mentioned our particular faith community. We talk a lot about the health message, and she mentions that the missing kind of ingredient in our health message is mental health or emotional and emotional health psychological and so this is like it's been something that i've been really excited and burdened by and that touches on Brene brown if we can Mm -hmm. just again another Mm -hmm. practical Mm -hmm. you know her concept of vulnerability that the only way out of all of this is to be vulnerable Mm -hmm. at the very moments when it's scary to be vulnerable Mm -hmm. her ted talk on that is Mm -hmm. worth its weight in gold um, and you know, and when I have applied that spiritually and theologically, and and realizing, a, there's no healing without being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. There's no community without being mm-hmm. vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And that you know, Jesus was the most chose to be more vulnerable than we can ever mm-hmm. even fully imagine. Mm-hmm. So there's something about vulnerability yeah. that's that's part of the gospel. Yeah. And 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 creating that. I mean, the key to this is creating communities where you can be vulnerable and it's safe to be because you don't want to just be vulnerable with anybody no because that becomes unsafe yeah Uh, yeah. i did that in my early recovery i thought no because i had learned sharing was it and i shared with the wrong people and got more hurt yeah so then it's it's being wise yeah but our missional community i feel like we've we're getting there absolutely yeah Yeah. people again if it wasn't safe for me i wouldn't keep going back yeah that's the bottom line practical that's that's amen amen cool well, Jim, anything else before we shut shut down here? Thank you for being with me. You're and uh, no, I just imagine future things. We want to do something on the arts. The arts, the arts balance of theology with ecclesiology, if yeah. you will, missiology. Yeah. So keep that in the back of your minds, listening audience. We yeah. will return to the arts because Jim loves the arts. I love the arts, but he's a poet. That's right. He's a published poet. Right. He didn't mention that. Modesty That's right. That's right. had prevented him from... Enough for another manuscript. I'm hoping to find any publishers out there. Give me a call. <laughs> there you go. So thanks for listening, everybody. Once again, uh, if you don't mind leaving an, a rating on iTunes, that's always helpful so that others can discover the podcast. You can always email me, seanbrace at gmail.com if you have questions or you want to discuss something either for us to do it on a podcast episode or whatever follow us on twitter m lab podcast is our twitter handle but thank you for listening we hope you have a great last day of july that's right and happy birthday again jim so thank you peace and love yes take care thank you for listening to mission lab our theme song is portland hike by Tiny Music. Additional editing by Chris Ogay. Follow us on Twitter at MLabPodcast. Podcast.